Hello, welcome to Legacy TV. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you tuning in to the broadcast today. Coming to you today from Legacy Church here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, where God is doing great things, and we're so excited about the greater things that are yet to come. We're stirred up about the same thing in your life. You know, whatever God has done, you can look back on it and be so thankful, be so grateful, but really what it should serve to do is stir up your faith about the future. He's done good things. He's doing great Great things and greater things are yet to come in Jesus' name. We believe we're living right now in the year of life more abundantly. And that's the word of the Lord that came to us concerning 2021, that it would be the end of ongoing sickness and disease. It would be the end of ongoing strife and lack, and it would be the beginning of life more abundantly. And we receive that word in Jesus name. And I want you to believe it. I want you to receive it too. And that's what we're going to get into in today's broadcast. All this year so far, we've been showing you uh, services from here at Legacy Church where we're talking about living life more abundantly. And today we're going to begin a message that's going to take us the next couple of weeks to uh, get the whole thing in. So I want you to uh, decide right now and be on purpose about hearing this entire message. Today we're bringing you a message we call That's the Spirit. We've got to be quick to identify in our lives what's the Spirit of God in us and what's the flesh because Jesus said it's the Spirit that quickens. It's the Spirit that gives life but the flesh profits nothing. So if you want to know more about living life more abundantly, you've got to go to where the life is and it's in the spirit. So that's what we're going to get into today. John chapter 10, verse 10, these words of Jesus are our word for this year and for beyond. We believe that 2021 is the beginning of life more abundantly. For us, for our church, for anybody who will take that word and believe it. He said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. We've looked at other translations. The Amplified Bible talks about having life to the full till it overflows. That's the kind of life Jesus came to give us. The New Living Translation talks about Jesus and his purpose in coming was to give us a rich and satisfying life. Man, there's some religious, religious spirits and religious people that do not like that. And honestly, if it wasn't written in red, I'd have a hard time with it. But Jesus said it. My purpose in coming was so that they'd have a rich and satisfying life. Now, you may need some redefining of the word rich. You may need some renewal of your mind as to what that actually means. You may need some redefining of what it actually means to be satisfied and change what you think will satisfy you. But you let him define it and you let the word define it and you'll find out what it means to really, truly be rich. To what it means to really, truly live satisfied. And again, I'll remind you, Jesus said these words and he said them to people and every one of them had a heartbeat. Every one of them were alive, so to speak. But what he's revealing is there's more to living than just a heart beating in your chest. There's more life available to you. Somebody say more life. And people live this whole life knowing that on the inside, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Have you ever heard somebody say that? There has got to be more. 
You want to know why they say that? There's more. There's more available. But what you and I have to know is where do you find it? Where do you go to get it? Because people are searching in every other place but the right place. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for it in material things. They're looking for it in, in, in relationships. They're looking for it in, in, in drugs. They're looking for it in alcohol. They're looking for it in sex. They're looking for it in every other place but the one place they're going to find it. Satisfaction's found in one place and in one place only. And it's in God. It's in his love. It's in his word. But you've got to know to look there. Jesus said, I came that you'd have life, have it more abundantly. We've been looking at this verse in John chapter 6. What he said in verse 63, he said, it's the spirit who gives life. So he's answering this question, where do you go to get the life? What's the source of the flow of this life? It's the spirit who gives life. Notice these words again. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. The flesh profits nothing. Then he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Where do you go to get this life? You go to the word. The word of God is life. The word of God is alive. We've talked about that some already today. I was going back and looking over the last number of weeks that we've been dealing with this and, and we've been in a series, I don't even know that I told you that, but in my own mind, and as we've recorded it, we've been in a series called Life More Abundantly, and I think this is part eight of that. And uh, if you've missed any of it, we make them available on the website and the podcast, and we want you to get a hold of these things. And even, even if you heard them the first time, hear it again, and hear it again, and hear it again. And I was going back through everything we've dealt with so far, and what I didn't realize and really didn't even intend to do was get into the things that I believe define us as a body of believers. We've talked about this this life more abundantly, but talking about where it's found, you go all the way back to, I think, December of last year, we started talking about how connected the, the life of God was and is to knowing his voice. And what Jesus said there in John 10, 10, check this out, came right after John 10, 1 through 9. I know that's deep, but it's the truth. You know what John 10, 1 through 9 was all about? My sheep know my voice. And a stranger's voice they will not follow. So there is this inseparable connection between knowing his voice and life more abundantly. This is a major part of who we are as a church. We believe God talks. We believe we can hear him. We believe we can understand him. And we believe we can be led by that voice. And we don't have to follow every other voice. That's a big thing. That's a definitive thing because not everybody else believes that. And you'll find that out when you tell them you believe that and they look at you and go, you crazy. You talk to God and he talks back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that this is something that makes you who you are when it so stands out in the rest of this world. We talked about the connection between hearing his voice and and, an abundant life, the connection between abundant life and, and, and friendship and fellowship with God. Jesus said, this is 
life eternal, that they would know you and know Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's life. Life can't be measured in any other way. You don't know how much life you're living by looking at a bank account. You don't know how much life you're living by looking at the size of a house, whether it's big or small. That's not an indicator to how much life you're living. You don't know how much life you're living based on the brand name sewn into the back of the clothes you wear or the emblem on the hood of your car. None of those things can indicate to you how much life you have. Life is measured in knowing him. Life is measured in knowing him. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, you're a fool. If you, I'll paraphrase here, amass a bunch of stuff without being rich in your relationship with God. Rich in your relationship with God. There's an inseparable connection between your friendship and fellowship with him and life more abundantly. We've talked about the, the authority of the written word of God. This is a big thing about who we are. This is a major thing that defines this church. And if you're going to be a part of this church, then you better get used to this. Because we hold the word of God in a very high esteem. We honor his word above any other word. We honor his word above the word of any other professional. We honor his word above the word of anybody else's experience. We honor his word. We give his word first place. We give his word first word, last word, every word in between. We let his word determine our expectation in this life. And again, this ain't normal. This is not normal, but it's who we are. It's who we are. There's an inseparable connection between an honor for the word of God and living life more abundantly. Amen. Amen? Yes. We talked about how there's, there's healing and there's medicine in his word. The only thing sickness is in your body is a lack of life. And, and an influx and an increase and an overflow of that life can take care of sickness like that, man. So easy, so simple. And his words are medicine. And when you attend to his word and you keep him in front of your eyes and you incline your ear to his saying and you keep them in the midst of your heart, there'll be life. There'll be what? Life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. And over the last couple of weeks, We've been looking specifically at what Jesus said here in John 6. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits. Again, how much is it? You need to get that in your heart today. The flesh profits. It benefits. It's, it's of no value. It benefits you nothing. It's not doing anything to help you. It's not doing anything for you. If anything, if you're living by the flesh and thinking by the flesh and acting on behalf of the flesh, it's hurting you. It's hindering you. It's holding you back. Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And then in John chapter 3, I want to keep going with this today, this difference between the spirit and the flesh. 
We looked at John 4. You may remember this last week in the woman at the well. You remember that? How Jesus sat down and said, give me a drink. And she said, why are you a, a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? We don't, we're not supposed to have anything to do with each other. And Jesus said, yeah, but if you knew, if you knew who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him living water and he would have given you. And the woman said to him, sir, you know, this well's deep. You don't have anything to draw with. She's thinking flesh. He's talking spirit. And that's why it's not making sense to her. And he kept talking to her about it. He kept, it's almost like Jesus is laying out some breadcrumbs here, just trying to lead her to truth, lead her to revelation. Come on, give me some faith. Just put a little faith. I can work with a little bit of faith. And every time he said something to her about living water, about it springing up on the inside of her, she said, where are you going to draw this water? Okay, if you got it, I'll take it. That way I don't have to come to this well and drink anymore. He's talking spirit. She's thinking flesh. And that's when he finally took another approach with her, right? The, the water thing doesn't seem to be working. Let's try this. Go call your husband and come here. And she said, I don't have one. He said, you're right. You've had five of them. <laughs> and the guy you're with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. You remember what she said? Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> I don't guess she'd be stroking a beard, would she? <laughs> that, that's... I don't know, Samaritan women, I don't know. <laughs> I perceive, she said, you're a prophet. And that's what happens when a little bit of light gets shown and people, their, their past or their failings or whatever come out. When, when the flesh gets some light shined on it, they immediately try, but it's all in the flesh to look spiritual, sound spiritual, but it's still all just in the flesh. And she wants to argue with him about where we're supposed to worship. You say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. We say on this mountain. And Jesus answers her. It's like there's no argument, you know. He says, look, the Father's looking for people, not those who will squabble over the location of where they worship, but where their worship comes from. He said, the Father's looking for people who will worship how? In spirit and in truth. That's what God was looking for. You know, we really didn't take time to finish the whole story uh, last week. And it's a pretty miraculous, marvelous story because she looks back at him after he gives her not just a answer, the right answer. She's still wanting to fight with him. And she says, this is what she says to Jesus. She says, well, the Messiah is coming. Is that funny to anybody else? Yeah. Here's somebody who's got enough church history to, to perceive he's a prophet, to know these are denominational lines between us that we don't cross, to, to talk about doctrines on where to worship, and even enough church history to say, hey, the Messiah's coming. It's astounding to me that somebody with all of that, even claiming to be looking for the Messiah, could be looking at him right in the eye and have no idea who she's talking to. How is that even possible? Because as long as you look through the flesh, you'll never find him. You'll never see him. 
And we know from everything she said, it's all flesh. It's all flesh. I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he'll tell us all things. In other words, well, you have your opinion, preacher. We have ours. The Messiah is coming, and he'll let us know who, probably me, is right. <laughs> and finally, Jesus looks at her and says, I who speak to you am he. And it's one thing to look at her and, and even laugh about it, but we need to take a pretty cold, hard look at ourselves and ask, is it possible that we've been face-to-face, -face, that we've been in the presence of Jesus and had no idea? I mean, if he came walking through this room, we know from the book of Revelation, he came to church it says he came walking through their church. Jesus comes to church. Yeah. And the churches that he walked through didn't recognize him, didn't see him. Would you? Now, I know we like to think we would. Oh, yeah, I know him. I, I know him. I've read his book. I've seen his movie. I recognize that, that robe and the, the hair and the beard. I, I know him anywhere. That's after the flesh. That's looking after the flesh. And if we don't learn to look in and through and by and after the Spirit, we'll never recognize Him. Flesh profits nothing, but there's life in the Spirit. So that was the rest of her story. She goes on from there. She becomes basically this evangelist for the entire city that she lives in. And she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the one we're looking for? And that whole city came out and they heard him and they saw him and they looked at her and said, we came out because you said it, but now we believe because we've seen for ourselves. This woman who was in the flesh and had this scandalous past met and found total redemption, became an evangelist, got a whole city born again. Thank you, Lord. It's powerful to get in the spirit. But in John chapter three, in verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I love how Jesus answers him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus comes and wants to talk about all the signs that Jesus did. Oh, we know you're from God. This is, this is classic Jesus right here. He's not, he's not steered in conversation by somebody else. He's going to say what he hears the Father say. And he responds to it and says, yeah, okay, well, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Say those words, born again. Born again. Now, try to pretend that you and I don't have 2,000 years, the luxury of, of 2,000 years of understanding of what born again means. I can say that in here, and, and just about everybody in here understands the concept of that. This is perhaps the first time anybody's ever heard those words, born again. So you can see verse 4, Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? What's going on here? Jesus is talking spirit Nicodemus is hearing flesh. So I don't care if it's a rabbi talking to him or a woman who's had a horrible past. We all have flesh to deal with. 
Every one of us have flesh we have to deal with. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? No, Nicodemus. Gosh, man, no. <laughs> and even if you could, no, man, don't. Just come on, come on. Get in the spirit, brother. You got to get out of the flesh. And Jesus said, most assuredly, most assuredly verse 5, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now listen to verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is what? Is flesh. That's not deep. That's not so profound that it's hard to understand. If it's born of the flesh, it's flesh. But then he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the spirit is spirit. If it's born of the flesh, it's flesh. If it's born of the spirit, it's what? Spirit. Don't take time to look at these, but let me just give you a few verses here. Out of the book of 1 John. The Lord had me reading 1 John a number of weeks ago and reading it 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John every day, every day, every day. And I did, and as I did, these, this one phrase began standing out to me over and over again. Listen to this. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever has been born of God. Say that, born of God. Whoever's been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he's been born of God. Say it again, born of God. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. And he knows God. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, or believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who's begotten of him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is what? Born of God. You keep hearing it, don't you? Over and over. Born of God. Born of God. Chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world. Then, then uh, chapter 5, verse 18 says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. I wanted you to hear this over and over. Born of God, born of God. I don't think we've appreciated enough the fact that that's us, that we are born of God. But Jesus said whatever's born of flesh is what? It's flesh. He said, you've got to be born again. Not just born of the flesh. You've also got to be born of God. Born of His Spirit. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.